0: Today, we are in Matthew chapter 6, and I'll tell you a little bit of preview. Matthew chapter 6, uh, starting verse 19, Jesus is going to talk about money. Kind of makes for an awkward conversation at some point. Money is not one of the conversations I like having because it can just be awkward, right? But, But here's the thing. Jesus talks more about money than he talks about sex, more than he talks about family, more than he talks about marriage or parenting. Like, this is how much Jesus talks about money. But listen, when Jesus talks about money, it's never about money. Right? I mean, every time that Jesus talks about money, never once has he taken offering. I I mean, Jesus, when he talks about money, he's not looking for your bank statement. He's not looking for your debit card. When Jesus talks about money, he's talking about something actually far more valuable. He's talking about something that he actually died to claim. He's talking about our heart. And so today we're going to have a conversation about money. And I want to be clear, we're not talking about money. We're really talking about our heart and where your heart is. So Matthew chapter 6, we're going to look starting in verse 19 this morning. Uh, ask you just to follow along with me. Uh, verse 19, this is what Jesus says to us. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth. Now I want to clarify again. This word treasure is going to apply a lot of different ways. And I want you to think about how treasure might apply for you. Because we could say treasure is just, it's more than just money. Treasure would be anything in your life, anything that you cherish. Treasure would be anything that uh, fulfills you. Anything that you take delight in would be a treasure. Anything in your life that you desire to protect. That would be an example of a treasure. This might be for you, it might be your wealth. Maybe for you, you treasure your family. Maybe you treasure your career. Maybe it's a house. But whatever it is you treasure, this is what Jesus is talking about. Now, in this context, though, we are talking about treasure, but I want to make sure we understand this context. Verse, 40, verse 24 is going to make this clear, that Jesus today is trying to talk to us about, about money. He's talking about whether we allow wealth and money and things and materialism to be our treasure and here's, here's this key idea. Jesus says, verse 19, he says, do not lay up for who? He says, do not lay up for yourselves. So I want to clarify here. There's nothing wrong with, with money. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. Uh, there's this uh, theology that's crept into the Christian world that has this poverty theology, that if you're a Christian, you're supposed to be poor and give everything you have and have nothing. And and that's not necessarily a biblical view uh, of of resources and money. In terms of money, there isn't just two types of people in the world. There isn't rich and poor. There's actually four different types of people regarding money. The first type of person is a a righteous and a rich person. This is somebody who who recognized that they have resources. They have money because God has blessed them. These are people who recognize where it came from. These are people who have, have worked hard... They've invested smart. They didn't become wealthy through sinful means. In addition, this is somebody who spends their money righteously. They are generously sharing their abundance with those in need. They live this open handed life. You can see an example in the Bible. You can see Joseph of Arimathea. He's the guy that when Jesus died, he took care of Jesus' body, he gave him a tomb. To allow Jesus' body to be buried in. That would be an example of a righteous and a rich man. Second type of person is an unrighteous rich man. Or unrighteous rich person. This would be somebody who obtained their wealth through sinful ways. Maybe they cheated people. Maybe they they took the shortcuts. Maybe they, uh, whatever the case may be. And an unrighteous rich man is also somebody who is going to uh, spend their resources uh, on themselves. There's, there's going to be little open handedness. There's going to be more of a close handedness, trying to conserve what I have and, 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 and make it all about me. You can see an example of this. Uh, Jesus tells a story of the, the rich man who decided he had so much he was going to tear his barns down and build bigger barns. He wanted to store more for himself instead of living open handed. And so that would be an example of an unrighteous rich man. Third type of person is there is a righteous poor person. This is somebody who works hard but just doesn't make a lot of money. This is somebody, even with their limited resources, they spend wisely. These are people who, who share with others even though they don't have much. They live that, again, that open-handed lifestyle. You can see an example of that. Probably the best example would be Jesus. I mean, Jesus was probably uh, the most... Right- I don't know if anybody could be a better example than Jesus of a righteous and, and a poor person without many resources. And the fourth Uh, type of person regarding money is an unrighteous, poor person. This is somebody who has a little bit of wealth. They don't have a lot of money because maybe they're lazy or because maybe uh, they spend their money foolishly. This would be somebody who who, who doesn't give of their resources to God, who doesn't give their resources to other people. In fact, you might see this person, you often see uh, the book of Proverbs talk about this type of person. Proverbs calls this type of person a fool calls them a sluggard. And so we're dealing with treasure today. We're dealing with money. And here's here's a warning that Jesus gives us. He says, verse 19, he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. See, this is the idea. And I want us to understand that the earth is warring against us and against all of our stuff. I mean, the reality is everything you own, Everything you have is on its way to get moving to the yard sale pile and eventually to the dump. Everything you own. You may have something that you are are extremely valuable, but I guarantee you a few years down the road is going to get moved to the yard sale pile. And maybe someone is going to pick that up. And guess what happens if it doesn't get sold in the yard sale pile? Guess where it goes. Right? Everything we own is in this progression. It is warring against us. And in fact, it even goes a little bit further. Uh, He says, uh, everything you have is at risk of being stolen or taken away from you. I was thinking about this. Uh, Jacob preached a couple weeks ago on on the sermon, uh, uh, on the Lord's Prayer. And one one of the prayers we pray through the Lord's Prayer is, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. I mean, the question I always wonder is, how many of us have ever had to actually ask that? God, would you feed me today? Because most of the time, when I'm thinking about what I'm praying about, I'm like, well, I don't need to pray for food, because my pantry's stocked. We went to Costco, and we got it stocked with all that big Costco stuff. Like, I feel pretty confident where, you know what, I got my paycheck, I deposited in the bank, so I can go to the grocery store, I can go to Taco Bell, and I can feed my family. I don't feel like I have to ask every day, God, would you provide for me? Because I've done it for myself, right? I mean, isn't this where we go to work and we think, well, of course I have a good job because I have all these amazing skills. Like, I can do this or that. And so we have this, this confidence in ourselves where we don't necessarily have to ask God for our daily needs because we feel like, well, I got that taken care of, God. You, you, do, you deal with those bigger things. But here's, here's what I want us to understand is in an instant, in an instant, all that security that we place in ourselves can change in a moment. In a twinkling of the eye. I mean, we think about it. You and I have seen this play out in people's lives. Have we not? Where somebody has a great job, but guess what? Their company gets bought out. And all of a sudden, they're let go. And it just so happens to be that happens in a time when the job market has slowed down. So there isn't that instant ability to find another job. There's that, that season of unemployment. House fire comes. Identity theft. Identity theft. Stock market begins to stumble. There's a stock market crash. Get some health, health problems. And all of a sudden, everything that we thought we had secure, we don't. This is something we said last week. We said, we, 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 said we think we can control our lives, but our control is an illusion. We have no control. Any one of us could, could wake up tomorrow and our life be completely flipped upside down. I think there's a song about that, right? Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Tell you how my life got flipped, turned upside down. I'm not going to wrap it because I love you guys too much for that. But you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, this is what I want us to understand. Even even when we talk about our treasure, notice how we talk about our treasure. We, 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 don't, we don't talk about us being stewards of the gifts that God has given us. We say, well, this is mine, and I want more of it. This is mine. I earned it. I, I, I provided for myself. I deserve this. It's mine, mine, mine. Even how we talk about our stuff is about me and mine. I mean, isn't this this the greatest lie of our culture? I mean, think about what our culture tells us. Our uh, uh, Our culture says that what we need to be content, what we need to be happy in life, is we need more of the stuff that we already have that hasn't worked in making us happy. Isn't it true? Like, well, like, we have stuff, and we think, "Well, if I just had more stuff, or if I had nicer stuff, then, then I'd be happy, then I'd be content." And it's this lie that perpetuates itself again and again and again. And for some reason, we keep listening to the lie. I mean, I mean, it's intoxicating. In fact, I would I would venture to say this: I don't think we buy stuff because we need stuff. Okay. I'm going to step on some toes here, and I'm not trying to. I think we buy stuff not because we need it, but because we want it. I mean, let's just be honest. Like, how many of us really need another pair of shoes? How many of us really need another tool in our garage? And why do we buy it? We buy it because of the way it makes us feel. There is, there is some emotional response that we get that when we go and buy the, the new iPhone, we go and buy the new tool, we go buy the new outfit, there's an emotional response that we get that we like that emotional response of how it makes us feel. And let's just be honest, when we are out shopping and we're buying, why are we buying? Is it because we need it or because we like how it makes us feel? But you ever notice, you ever notice you buy that tool and it makes you feel good? Until you see somebody else with a different tool. And you're like, oh man, I'm not going to be happy until I get that one. And it's intoxicating. It's this never-ending cycle. Again and again, it just goes rounds and round and round. I mean, materialism and, 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 and toys and money. Listen, it, it's, it promises so much. But it can never give us what we need most. Do we recognize that? Like our treasures, the things that we value, like they promise so much, they promise to bring us happiness, and they just leave us wanting. They can't provide us what we need most, right? So Jesus, Jesus gave us this warning, he said, don't lay up treasure for yourselves on earth. But he says, here's what you are supposed to do, verse 20. He says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. There's a quote that I'm going to share with you. It says, what we do echoes into eternity. That's actually from The Gladiator. I just quoted the movie The Gladiator in church. That is probably the best quote I've ever shared in a sermon ever. Come on, give me some of that. What we do, that's true. What we do echoes into eternity. Like there are things that we can do on this earth that will last for a lifetime, Again, what Jesus said is, is all this earthly treasure that we try and hold on to, man, it's going it's to get moved to the yard sale pile at some point. Or someone's going to come in and break in and steal it. But Jesus just said, there are things that we can do on this earth that will never be destroyed, that will never be taken away from us. Now, I want to be clear because Jesus is talking about things that we do that, that earn a reward. And I want to be clear, like... We don't earn salvation. Like, we understand we're a gospel-driven church here, and we understand that the gospel is all about God's love, about the forgiveness of sin, about us having the ability to become sons and daughters of God, not because of anything we do. It is, it is, a, is a grace of God. It is a free gift that we receive by faith. Now, let's be clear in that. However, we, I would be doing a disservice to you If the the things that Jesus is saying about seeking these rewards that he promised, I would be a disservice to you if I said that's something we shouldn't care about. The scripture is clear that there is an an award, reward waiting for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 9 and 10, Paul writes, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for him for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. There is a crown of thorns awaiting us. There is a crown of righteousness that how we live our life determines what that reward will be. So the question becomes, well, how do you, how do, you do that? How do, I, how do I store up treasures for eternity instead of just treasures on the earth? And I want to give just a, a, as broad of a definition as we can. We could probably spend a couple of weeks looking at this simple idea on how do you store treasures in heaven. But I want to give you a very broad definition. We are commanded in Scripture to love God and love people, are we not? I mean, that's kind of what Jesus says. Uh, remember the disciples came up to Jesus, and, or the Pharisees, and said, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus said, love God and love people. Restoration Church, we have summarized that statement in our mission statement, which is to know Christ, which means to love God, and to make Christ known, which is how we love people. So we are commanded to love God and love people. How you store up treasure is by using your, your time, your talents, your treasure to do just that, to love God and love other people. That is how we store up treasure in, in heaven, is to use what God has given us to love God and love people. When we seek first the kingdom of God in our life with what God has blessed us with, that is what it looks like for us to store up treasure in heaven. There's a saying, maybe you've heard it said, uh, that you can't take it with you when you die. And that's true. All the stuff that you have, you can't take it with you when you die. But, to some sense, you can send things ahead of you. You can't take it with you, but if you invest wisely on this earth now, you can send it ahead of you. Does that make sense? So here's, here's what Jesus says in verse 21. He says, listen, don't, don't seek treasure on this earth. Seek treasure in heaven. And he says, verse 21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now I know when we start talking about money in church, people begin wondering about percentages. Well, what, do, you know, what percentage are you asking, Pastor? What's, what's my membership fee? Now I want to be clear that when we're talking about, when Jesus is talking about money, when I'm talking about money, we're not talking about math. Money is not about math. Money is about worship. That's what it comes down to. In fact, this is what Jesus is saying, is where your treasure is, what you treasure, that reveals where your heart truly is. What is it that you protect in your life? What is it that you defend what is it that you fill your mind constantly thinking about? Thinking about how I can get more. Thinking about how I can protect. Thinking about how much uh, you like it and enjoy it. Because that's going to reveal where your heart is. Where's your heart this morning? Where's your treasure? What is it that you treasure in this life? I want to be clear. Like, I know some of you are saying, "Well, I've got this treasure and I and I treasure this," but you know, I I still love God. You know, God still God's still number one. And I I want to be clear, like, I don't, like, like, I'm not trying to be mean, but I don't really care what you say. Because what I see in the Bible is love is a verb. Love is a verb, and what you do actually matters. And so we can say all we want, oh, I love God, God's number one, but your treasure, what you treasure, will reveal what's really going on in your heart. And this is God's grace he's given us, because we can look inside of our heart by what we treasure, and this is what he wants us to do this morning. is just, just, just open ourselves up and just ask ourselves that question. What is it I'm really treasuring? What is that thing I need more of? What is that thing that I, I, I will defend till I die? What is that thing that I'm seeking that I think will fulfill me? That relationship, that promotion, that house, that car, whatever that is. It's revealing where our heart is and listen here's take this just a little step further with me jesus said where your treasure is there your heart will also be what if you just kind of almost flip that idea around that your your heart will follow where your treasure is so here's this idea where where i know some of us are probably sitting here and say well man, I get this. I want my my heart to be more inclined to the church. I want my heart to be more inclined to to missions. I want my heart to be more inclined to homelessness and the problems in our community. Man, I think you can take that same principle of where your treasure is there your heart will also be and say, what if we begin to take our treasure and take our resources and our time and our energy and putting it in certain places? Do you think your heart will begin to follow that? Like, if you made this conscientious decision to say, man, I, I, want my, I want my heart to be here, where what if you began taking your treasure and putting it there? Do you think your heart begins to follow? I, I, I don't know for sure. I'm just on the fly. I think that makes sense to me. You want your heart to be about the kingdom of God? Starting investing in it. And let your heart follow. So Jesus continues in verse 22, and he says, listen, your eye... Is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, then your whole body will be full of, of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Hard couple of verses. In fact, I think the first couple of times I read this passage, I kind of skipped over these verses because they're kind of hard to understand. But it all just depends on, on what you understand about this passage. Because when, when Jesus says, if your eye is healthy, this word healthy doesn't just mean like, like, like strong. It means if your eye is clear. If your eye has a single-minded focus. If, if your vision is on one thing. If, if you have an undivided, un, undivided loyalty. This is what it means by this term healthy. If your eye is, is healthy. See, I think this is the way I would explain it, is is our eyes are always fixated on something. There's always something in front of us. We're always focused on something. We have hopes, we have dreams that we entertain in our life, and our our eye, our vision, is is always focused on something, and that is what's going to drive us. What our eye is pursuing, what our eye is focused on, what our vision is after, that is what drives our entire life. And Jesus is saying, listen, if if your vision is healthy, If if your vision is, you have a single-minded focus on on the kingdom of God, if you are focused on what God has for your life, on on loving God, on loving people, if you're focused on knowing Christ and making Christ known, Jesus says your whole body is going to be headed in that direction. Your life will be ordered towards that one thing that your vision is set upon. If your goal in life is a single-minded devotion to God, then listen, neither not, not, neither a wealth of possessions or poverty is going to uh, distract you from what you're pursuing. Because you have this single-minded focus. This is what I'm about. I'm about the kingdom of God. I'm about loving God and loving people. When you li- And what happens when somebody lives that way, maybe you've seen this in your life, where somebody has that single-minded focus, and you're like, man, that person, they're on fire for God. They're—they're they're, they're, All they're about is the kingdom of God. Listen, does that person not have a light? In them that you begin to notice them. Wow, look at that person. There's something different about them. Now look at them, they're just so passionate about Jesus. Like, like I want some of that. I think so. Jesus says, when we have that clear focus, that a whole body becomes light. And people begin to recognize that. Man, there's something different about that person. But on the flip side, Jesus says, Listen, if your eye is bad, and again, when we understand the term for health being this single-minded focus, I don't think bad is, is but I think if, if your eye is distracted, if your eye is trying to look for multiple things, if your eye isn't focused on that one main thing, I think that is when maybe your eyes focus a little bit on that treasure, on our wealth, on our career, on our family, on whatever it is. If our eye is, is distracted, Jesus just said your whole body will be full of darkness. I think, well, what does that look like? like how, do I, how do we understand that? Like, if my eye is focused on this one thing, then I'm full of light. My, if my eye isn't focused on this one thing, then I'm full of darkness. What does that mean? And Jesus explains it in verse 24. He goes further. He says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. He says, You cannot serve both God and money. I think that's what he's talking about. He's saying you can't have this, this, this divided uh, focus. You can't have your treasure divided in these two places. Either God is your focus or something else. You can't, be, you, can't, you, can't, you can't live both ways. You've got to choose one or the other. As a child of God, Jesus said you cannot serve these two masters. Your vision cannot be divided. One of these masters is always going to rise up and take precedence and gonna be the the thing that you focus on, the thing that guides your life, that drives what you do in life. And here's what that means. It means that our partial or spastic service to God isn't enough. It means that we can't have like one foot seeking the pleasures of this world and the treasures of this world and the other foot in the kingdom of God. And and, well, you know, I have these things in this life I'm trying to pursue and I want to build my name and build my reputation. Then I have this, you know, I go to church on Sunday and I love God. Jesus just said, you can't do both. You can't have your foot in both say's saying I'm going to seek treasure in both of these kingdoms. Jesus just said you cannot do that. You can't live your life and be devoted to Christ and have one foot in either kingdom. You're either serving God or you're serving money. In fact, maybe this is one of the greatest lies that Satan gives us. Maybe this is one of the greatest lies that Satan tells the church and Christians in our day and age. That he would tell us that we can wholeheartedly seek the pleasures of this world. That we can seek the treasures that this earth has to offer. And come to church three times a month, two times a month and say we love God. Try one of the greatest lies that Satan has filled our minds to say we can do both of these things. Because Jesus just said we can't. Jesus just said one of these masters is always going to rise up. In fact, he says, listen, this is his words, not mine. This is his words, not mine. He says, listen, if you love treasure, if you love this world, he said, Again, verse 24, he will hate the one and love the other. If your heart is focused on treasure, he just said you hate God. And I don't know about you, but that makes me a little nervous. That steps on my toes. That kind of hits me in the gut a little bit. Ouch. I think this is one of the saddest things. And I've seen this in, in my own family, my siblings. But you have, you have adults who, who, as they were kids, they grew up with a very little. They grew up with a very little. They, they didn't have much in terms of resources. Uh, they didn't have opportunities. Maybe they weren't the cool kids growing up. And as they've grown into adulthood, as they have kids, what do they tend to do? They go to the far opposite side. Hey, because I didn't have these things, I want to give my kids everything that I ever wanted. I'm going to give my kid every opportunity. I'm going to make sure they're one of the cool kids. And they've become this thing where they raise their kids with this focus on giving them everything that they never had. And it breaks my heart because what happens is these parents begin to sell out. They begin to, to sell out, and especially dads. We have this tendency to focus on providing our families with stuff. Providing our families with opportunities. Trying to make sure our kids can be one of the cool kids. To make sure they're accepted in the world. And listen, parents, when we do that, we, we, we often lose out of one of the greatest privileges that we've been given concerning our family. Let me tell you what, it's not provision. It's presence. It's a godly presence. Whereas parents, we can be so focused on providing our kids all that we never had, we miss the opportunity to nurture them, help them grow in the kingdom of God, to recognize there's something greater. If we're focused on providing all of this for all the earthly treasures for our families, you know what I find with kids? At least my kids, maybe your kids aren't like this, but my kids see right through me. They know when I'm living like a hypocrite. They absolutely do. It drives me crazy. But kids are like mind readers. They read right through us. They see what's really going on in our hearts. To say, yeah, I see that you claim to love God, but look, all you're focused on, Dad, is giving me these experiences. I'm making sure I have all the latest gadgets. Kids read through that. What is your treasure? What is your treasure? See, ultimately, this, this struggle that we, we, we feel we face, the, the struggle between God and money, really becomes it rests chief, chiefly on what do we put our trust in? What do we put our trust in to give us happiness, to give us security, to give us fulfillment? What is it that's going to answer that question for you? What's going to make you happy? What's going to give you security? What's going to make your life fulfilled? Is it earthly treasure? Or is it God? Listen, that's a question that we have to ask deep. And that's a question that's hard for me to expose in your heart. This is a question that you can only answer from your own heart. What is it that's going to make your life right? First Timothy chapter 6, Paul writes again. He says, if we have food and clothing With these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Listen, this is a question we have to ask ourselves and open up our hearts. And I've got a couple of of questions. I want to just invite you to ask yourselves these questions just to kind of reveal where your heart is. Maybe call this a heart check, a treasure check. Question number one. Has debt hindered you from being generous to the kingdom of God? It's a question you need to ask yourselves. Has debt hindered you from being generous to the kingdom of God? Now listen, I'm not talking about the necessities of life. There are some things that are... Necessity in life. I'm talking about things like the new iPhone, about TVs, about restaurants, about, 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 about new cars. Are you tied up financially that you cannot give to the kingdom of God because you're trying to live beyond where your resources would allow you to live? Are you seeking treasures of this earth to bring value to you, to bring fulfillment to you, to bring joy to you, where you cannot invest into the kingdom of God. Maybe another way to say this was, has your choice of lifestyle hindered your kingdom generosity? Are you at a place in your life where you can't or you won't give to support the mission of God in this world? Listen, how you answer this, I need you to hear me here. I need you to hear this. I think what Jesus is saying in this passage is listen, this is a salvation issue. This is that big of a deal. Not that you have to get your money in order to, to be a Christian. We're not saying that. But that when you are a Christian, when you generally have surrendered your life to say, God, you're my Savior, and I'm following you, and I'm trusting you, that it manifests in how, how you steward your resources. The stuff that God has given you. If you truly has surrendered your life to Jesus, that affects how you use those resources. If God is your master, then your choice of lifestyle shall never hinder your kingdom generosity. In fact, I would take that on the flip side instead. of if anything, your kingdom generosity ought to hinder your lifestyle. There ought to be things in your life Regularly, that you have to say no to because you have a commitment to the kingdom of God, because you recognize that you want treasure not on this earth that's going to be destroyed or going to move to the yard sale pile, but you want treasure in the future in heaven that cannot ever be taken away from you. Question number two for a treasure check What is your heart motivation for your career? Or maybe you young people, maybe maybe the question becomes, whatever it is you want to do when you grow up, like, why do you want to do that? Let's just ask ourselves this. Why are you doing what you're doing? Is it because you want to be rich? Is it because you want to be famous? You want recognition? You want people to applaud you because of how great you are? Is it because you want to find that, that financial freedom, that financial security that you can retire at 65 years old and enjoy the rest of your life? What is your motivation for what you do? Or is your heart motivation, whether you are an an engineer, a CEO, whether you drive a tractor on one of the apple orchards here in town, is the reason you are doing that because you recognize God has given you a gift. God has given you those skills and you want God to use you in that capacity for his kingdom, for his purpose. Those things that God has equipped you to do your career, do you recognize that as being something God has given you that you steward? Or do you recognize that as being your way to to bring you peace and security? Is it for God's kingdom and God's glory, or is it for yours? Third question for a heart check. Could a non-Christian, could a non-believer, Listen, here's one I'm, I'm questioning myself on this week. Could a non-believer look at how you steward your earthly possessions and say, man, I know this person's heart belongs to God. Could someone look at your life, and the way you use your resources? Could they determine that you are a Christian by how you use those resources? How are you stewarding what God has given you? Could someone else look at how you steward that and say, man, this person loves God. I can see it by how they live. Again, not just by their words, but by their love, by their action. Listen, this is super difficult. This is super deep. Because what Jesus is saying is what we do with our stuff, what we do with what we're giving is an accurate indicator of our true spiritual condition, of where our heart truly is. Listen, I'm, I'm going to just come to, to close with a couple points of application, something for you to, to take away on this. Two things. If this is an issue for you, if you, you have this conversation about money, you're like, man, this, this hits deep. Listen, I'm not preaching this message because restoration needs a bunch of money. Listen, I, I, I don't believe God needs any of our resources. I think God could do what he wants to do because he's God. But this is about our heart. This is about your heart. This is about my heart. You want to dig in deeper, I encourage you, man, search the scripture. Like, dig deeper about this issue on money. Let God speak to you. A couple points of application. Number one, when it comes to your finances, give to the Lord first. Now, I don't know about you, have you ever read through the Bible? And you read through the Bible, and God repeatedly says this thing He says, He says, give to God the first fruits. He says, bring to God's storehouse the first fruits. And I keep saying this, first fruits. What does this first fruits mean? What is, why would Jesus keep saying, give to me first? Is it because he needs our money? Like, why does he keep saying first, first, first? I don't think God needs our money. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God can do whatever he wants to do. But I think that God calls us to bring the first fruits to him as a way to show that God is first and foremost in our life. When he says first fruits, it's an opportunity for us to say, hey, before I do anything else, God, I want to make sure I'm faithful to you. To make sure that I can show you, God, that my treasure is really on you, and my treasure isn't on the things that this world is going to provide for me. I tell you what, young people, you need to hear this today. This is not a time... you're a younger couple, you're a young person, don't think, well, I'll start start doing that when, like, my 30s or my 40s. Because you know what happens when you get in your 30s or your 40s? You get a mortgage, and you get teenagers. And you know what those teenagers do? They keep coming, Dad, and you're just making it rain, flying, 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 because the kids just keep taking and taking, and they eat and they eat, and it doesn't stop. Sam and I made a decision when we were uh, newlyweds. Uh, we, we wanted to be investing in the kingdom of God. And we're, we're, we're looking through, and we're like, man, like we have no money left. Like we want to invest in the kingdom of God, but there's nothing left. By the time you paid your bills and you, and you, you bought groceries and you did all those other, those other things. So we made a decision, hey, if we're going to do this, we need to do this with our first fruits. We made that decision at a younger age of, hey, we're going to first and foremost make sure we're faithful to God and then everything else will be following. And listen, I know that is fearful. I will be the first person to say how scary that was for us to make that step because we had nothing. We, We had nothing. But listen, this is where you have to trust that God will provide because we have seen God time and time and time and time and time and time again prove himself faithful. Luke 16 says, when we are faithful in the little things, then we'll be faithful in the bigger things. That is a biblical principle. That we think, well, God, I can do great things. If I had a bunch of resources, God, then I'd really be generous to you. And, 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 and God would say, well, if you're not generous with the little that you have, why would I trust you to be generous with the big that you have? Listen, it becomes a pattern, a principle Uh, a discipline that you have to already have if you want to be generous down the road. Second point of application. Look for ways that you can use your other earthly treasures for the glory of God. This isn't just about money. Look for the way that you can use the treasures that God has given you for the glory of God. Again, the the book of 1 Timothy, Paul, the apostle, is writing to Timothy, and he's writing to Timothy about rich people. And this is what he says. He says, verse 17, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty in order to set their hopes on uncertainty of riches, but on God which richly provides us with everything to enjoy. In verse 18, here's what he says. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. And this is why we do that. Verse 19, to uh, store up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Listen, those resources that God has given you, that treasure he's given you, your, your home, your apartment, your education, your, your, your car, the, 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 the skills that you have, the, the abilities that God has given you. Listen, those are blessings that God has given you. How are you using them, not just for yourself, but for the glory of God, for the kingdom of God? Does that make sense to you? That all that God has given you, not just your money, but your talent, your time, your, 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 your home, your car, like how could you use that for the glory of God? There's all sorts of ways. And I want to just close with this last quote and we'll, we'll pray and, and wrap up. Martin Luther said this. I think this is something we can all take away with today. He said, I've held many things in my hand, and I have lost them all. But whatever I place in God's hands, that is what I still possess. Listen, this is a deep message. This is a deep call. I encourage you today, just ask yourselves those questions. Where's my treasure? And as you look through that question, man, if your treasure is not in the kingdom of God, what do you have to do to get it there? Listen, this isn't about money. This is, as a pastor, I'm not concerned about your money. I'm concerned about your heart. And this is such a big issue. Jesus is so strong on it. I don't want us to think that we can do that living on two sides, one foot in each world. Jesus just said we can't. And I love you too much to let you stay there. So let's learn how to be a generous people. Let's learn how to be a people that lives with whatever God has given us with open hands. Say, God, whatever I have, whether I have a lot, whether I have a little, God, I'm going to open my hands up and not not try and hold on to it. But to live is a way that, God, everything you've given me is a blessing. When I'm open-handed, God is faithful to provide again and again and again. Let's, Let's go ahead and pray.